BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms, 21 plus only. Virginia only, new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony DeLisandro. Billie's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it gonna, like that's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Countdown with Keith Olbermann is a production of iHeartRadio. What happens if the Supreme Court, I'm sorry, if Trump's newest super PAC, John Roberts Treasurer, what happens if the Supreme Court Incorporated takes the next step and not only listens to his shroom-high concept of presidential immunity late next month in order to stall his trials, but actually creates something called presidential immunity. What actually happens to this country at that exact moment? I do not think the court is actually going to do that, hearing Trump's made-up argument starting April 22nd. But then again, I did not think even Alito and Clarence Thomas and Roberts and the three Trump whores were so corrupt that they would turn the court into just another Trump property. And they have done that by stalling on Trump's behalf. No fate is too painful for them. I still think the stall is the point, not granting all presidents immunity from all prosecutions for all time. But again, the stall itself raises the question, exactly what the hell do I know? Exactly what the hell do any of us know? But let me present this grim silver lining in the form of that rhetorical question with which I just began. You think about it. I'll think about it. I'll address it at length at the start of the new week. What happens to the nature of this country? What happens to the nature of our government? What happens to the nature of the presidency? If the Supreme Court actually rules, no president can be prosecuted for official acts. What happens that instant? And combine that 
with not a rhetorical question, but a simple factual one. The day the Supreme Court effectively turns the president of the United States into a king, who will be the president of the United States that day? Back to the here and now. I'm looking for more on what followed the court turning from SCOTUS to Trump scrotum. There were two waves of commentary from the left that followed, not from the court analysts nor correspondents, not political analysts or even known pundits, but from what we might call the adjacent community, anonymous posters who claim to have worked in Trump's, quote, administration, unquote, seemingly insightful analysts who hide their identities. Wave one, the key figure in the survival or destruction of this nation is now Judge Tanya Chutkin because she still has opportunities to re-accelerate Trump's trial, no matter how long the court stalls. I have not seen Ryan Goodman or anybody else at Just Security or similar creators of expected judicial timelines chime in. I have seen Lawrence Tribe predict that Trump will now use similar motions to get all his trials stalled by his Supreme Court. The second wave of responses was even farther out there Anything farther, further? And we can hope it is true, but bluntly, I have not seen any evidence of it. Namely, that special counsel Jack Smith got his indictments of Trump and the two Mar-a-Lago co-defendants out as quickly as he could, but that a lot of other cases were held back to not crowd the dockets and not crowd the marketplace of ideas. And thus, Smith's response to the obvious prosecutorial interference by the Supreme Court and election interference by the Supreme Court would be to open the vault and indict everyone. Or as my friend Gary Oldman said it. Bring me everyone. What do you mean everyone? Everyone! Starting with the unindicted co-conspirators in the subversion case, Rudy Giuliani, John Eastman, Sidney Powell, Jeffrey Clark, Kenny the Cheese, and presumably Boris Epstein. But that, of course, is not the name that everybody wants to see indicted now in some Smithian eruption of righteous everyone indignation. And that name would be Ginny Thomas. My sense is that there actually is not a material case against her. But what the hell does that mean anymore? This Supreme Court just did what it did. This Supreme Court could let me be imprisoned for life for changing the part in my hair. But just an action against Jenny Thomas would create the scenario in which the Supreme Court was ruling on a case directly involving the wife of one of the justices. And even they would be hard-pressed to get away with that. Stepping back from political science fiction for a moment, even with an Illinois judge striking Trump from the Republican primary ballot there, I think we can pretty much flush the idea that these justices are going to not find an excuse to pretend the third section of the 14th Amendment does not say what it says. Trump is a traitor. He engaged in a treasonous attempt to overthrow the government. Putin is somewhere in the background. He and those behind Trump have no interest in maintaining anything resembling democracy or any America not ruled by Trump and those he permits to live and he should have been arrested at 12.01 p.m. on January 20th, 2021, and he should now either be inside a supermax prison or have not been treated so leniently. It's clear 
the constitutional scholars and the arch conservatives and the arch liberals and anybody else who's ever actually read the Constitution would get a more nuanced and just ruling on this from a panel at CPAC than from the sewer that is our Supreme Court. One more abrupt change of topic here. I do not have much use for the think tank third way, which sure looks like its idea of a third way is making Democrats do Republican stuff on behalf of corporations. But I also do not have much use for just dismissing polling data that seems even vaguely reliable if that data can do anything to help save the democracy. Third way says it has commissioned Lake Research to poll 1,000 likely voters in battleground congressional districts and oversample likely Latino voters in those districts by 150. And the topic is the border. I do not think any of the results from this poll vary significantly from any other recent polling about it. I do think all of these numbers reflect something that you may or may not have experienced at first hand. The stunt busing and flying of asylum seekers and others to major cities in blue states as galling and as reprehensible and as inhumane as it has been has worked for the Republicans. Border and immigration concerns, fears, phobias are now local and practical matters in the bluest cities in the bluest states. This does not speak well for humanity. And on the other hand, we don't get to overrule what humanity does or does not do. Our goal is to save democracy and fix humanity later. The third way poll suggests something that might help. The swing district voters of all stripes believe the Republicans have a better approach to this entire issue by 47 to 32. That's not surprising. It's a little larger than it has been, except the undecided number is huge. 47 to 32 means over 20%. Even more relevant, the deal that Trump just killed, every demographic group surveyed supports its components overwhelmingly. When one of the lowest scores is 64% of independents support guaranteed legal counsel for unaccompanied children, 60% of independents support temporary work permits for asylum seekers, when those are the low scores, this is data worth looking at. The upshot is, if you ask independents who has the better approach to immigration and the border, they side with the GOP by 24 points. If you then explain to them all the components of the deal Trump killed and you say the Democrats already agreed to this, those same independents change their answers and they say, no, the Democrats have the better plan then. And they say it by seven points, a 31 point swing on what other surveys this week suggest is the key issue for 28 percent of all voters. And it is accomplished by changing nothing, basically by owning the deal Biden and the Democrats already, you know, owned. What's the conclusion? 
do what a poll commissioned by a corporate heavy left of center, but like two inches left of center think tank just happened to produce? No. The actual conclusion is Trump's campaign is largely based on the perception of chaos at the border and inaction on the issues because of Joe Biden. The solution is not to fight a blame war. And I know what the president was trying to do yesterday. The solution is for President Biden to, as quickly as possible, say Democrats and Republicans have agreed how to fix the border and immigration. But Donald Trump killed the deal because Donald Trump wants the madness to continue, because Donald Trump wants the border opened, because Donald Trump wants the drugs in, because Donald Trump fill in the blank. So I, President Biden, will enact by executive order as much of that bipartisan compromise deal as I can myself right now. Have a nice day. Act to reduce the chaos organize the border humanely because, again, the other side wants to torture the migrants and then eh, kill a few of them. Organize the border humanely, act to reduce the chaos, make a big deal about stopping drugs at the border, even if it's just that old local news trick in which the cops load up a tiny table so full of seized drugs that the table collapses under the weight do some things, seem to do other things, make a lot of noise about everything you do or seem to do, and own it. Say, we, the Democrats, me, Joe Biden, we are fixing the border and Trump doesn't want us to. Like I said, build a Biden wall seven and one half inches long. Forgive the brevity. Bluntly, I am still shattered after the passing of my friend Richard Lewis. This very brief opening segment here just took a couple of hours to write and record. And if you know me, you already know that I I work fast. And right now I am not working fast. I am barely working at all. By coincidence, earlier in the week, I recorded a new episode of Fridays with Thurber, his political fables, appropriately enough. They're terrific. I will also finish off baseball spring training week on things I promise not to tell with the tale of a local sportscaster in my days in Los Angeles who wanted the Dodgers to sue to get a judge to order that they, the Dodgers, must play in that year's World Series even though they had lost the playoffs. But that's going to be it for the podcast today. And I did want to thank you for all the words of comfort about Richard. They have helped me more than you'll know. And there is one other thing that helps. I mentioned yesterday that the night we met, Richard and I adopted each other as brothers. Well, if you haven't seen this on social media, I urge you to have a look. Richard had a huge family of adopted brothers and sisters. How many people used the same language I used about him yesterday. And he loved us all. And their reaction has warmed my heart and comforted me probably as much as anything could right at the moment. Thurber is next. It's really good political stuff. If you want to hit stop, though, I get it. Talk to you Tuesday. 
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms, 21 plus only. Virginia only, new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zigazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Zigazoo is moderated by real, live people who review content before it's posted on the feed. I especially love the dance challenges. So much fun. Oh, and there's no comments or messaging, so you don't get any of that negativity that's all over other social networks. Oh, my friends love it. I love that it's KidSafe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Uh, that's great, but I wouldn't be doing Zigazoo if it wasn't fun. She would not be doing it if I didn't think her data was safe. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids! <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. Fridays with Thurber, and I have not done a bunch of the political fables lately, so let's dive right in. Some of these got him into huge trouble in the 1950s, and I'm happy to think that they would get him into huge trouble in the 2020s. We start with the least political of them, just the fun one, The Mouse Who Went to the Country by James Thurber. Once upon a Sunday, there was a city mouse who went to visit a country mouse. He hid away on a train the country mouse had told him to take, only to find that on Sundays it did not stop at Beddington. Hence, the city mouse could not get off at Beddington and catch a bus for Siebert's Junction, where he was to be met by the country mouse. The city mouse, in fact, was carried on to Middleburg, where he waited three hours for a train to take him back. When he got back to Beddington, he found out that the last bus for Seabirch Junction had just left, so he ran and he ran and he ran, and he finally caught the bus and crept aboard, only to find out that it was not the bus for Seabirch Junction at all, but was going in the opposite direction, through Pell's Hollow and Grum, to a place called Wimberby. When the bus finally stopped, the city mouse got out in a heavy rain and found that there were no more buses that night going anywhere. To the hell with it, said the city mouse, and he walked back to the city. Moral? Stay where you are. You're sitting pretty. <laughs> 
The Very Proper Gander by James Thurber. Not so very long ago, there was a very fine gander. He was strong and smooth and beautiful, and he spent most of his time singing to his wife and children. One day, somebody who saw him strutting up and down in his yard and singing remarked, There is a very proper gander. An old hen overheard this and told her husband about it that night in the roost. They said something about propaganda, she said. I have always suspected that, said the rooster, and he went around the barnyard next day telling everybody that the very fine gander was a dangerous bird, more than likely a hawk in gander's clothing. A small brown hen remembered a time when, at a great distance, she had seen the gander talking with some hawks in the forest. They were up to no good, she said. A duck remembered that the gander had once told him he did not believe in anything. He said, to hell with the flag, too, said the duck. A guinea hen recalled that she had once seen somebody who looked very much like the gander throw something that looked a great deal like a bomb. Finally, everybody snatched up sticks and stones and descended on the gander's house. He was strutting in his front yard, singing to his children and his wife. There he is, everybody cried. Hawk lover, unbeliever, flag hater, bomb thrower. So they set upon him and drove him out of the country. Moral, anybody who you or your wife thinks is going to overthrow the government by violence must be driven out of the country. The Very Proper Gander by James Thurber. The Moth and the Star, and I have a tattoo pertaining to this one, by James Thurber. A young and impressionable moth once set his heart on a certain star. He told his mother about this, and she counseled him to set his heart on a bridge lamp instead. Stars aren't the thing to hang around, she said. Lamps are the thing to hang around. You get somewhere that way, said the moth's father. You don't get anywhere chasing stars. But the moth would not heed the words of either parent. Every evening at dusk when the star came out, he would start flying toward it, and every morning at dawn he would crawl back home, worn out with his vain endeavor. One day his father said to him, You haven't burned a wing in months, boy, and it looks to me as if you're never going to. All your brothers have been badly burned, flying around street lamps, and all your sisters have been terribly singed flying around house lamps. Come on now, get out there and get yourself scorched. Big striping moth like you without a mark on him. The moth left his father's house, but he would not fly around street lamps, and he would not fly around house lamps. He went right on trying to reach the star, which was four and one-third light years, or 25 trillion miles away. The moth thought it was just caught in the top branches of an elm. He never did reach the star, but he went right on trying night after night, and when he was a very, very old moth, he began to think that he really had reached the star, and he went around saying so. This gave him a deep and lasting pleasure, and he lived to a great old age. His parents and his brothers and his sisters had all been burned to death when they were quite young. Moral, who flies afar from the sphere of our sorrow is here today and here tomorrow. The Moth and the Star by James Thurber.
another one. The Owl Who Was God. Once upon a starless midnight, there was an owl who sat on the branch of an oak tree. Two ground moles tried to slip quietly by unnoticed. You, said the owl. Who? They quavered in fear and astonishment, for they could not believe it was possible for anyone to see them in that thick darkness. You too, said the owl. The moles hurried away and told the other creatures of the field and forest that the owl was the greatest and wisest of all animals because he could see in the dark and because he could answer any question. I'll see about that, said a secretary bird, and he called on the owl one night when it was again very dark. How many claws am I holding up? said the secretary bird. Two, said the owl, and he was right. Can you give me another expression for that is to say, or namely, asked the secretary bird. To wit, said the owl. Why does a lover call on his love, asked the secretary bird. To woo, said the owl. The secretary bird hastened back to the other creatures and reported that the owl was indeed the greatest and wisest animal in the world because he could see in the dark and because he could answer any question. Uh, can, can he see in the daytime, too? asked a red fox. Yes, echoed a dormouse and a French poodle. Can he see in the daytime, too? All the other creatures laughed loudly at this silly question, and they set upon the red fox and his friends and drove them out of the region. Then they sent a messenger to the owl and asked him to be their leader. When the owl appeared among the animals, it was high noon and the sun was shining brightly. He walked very slowly, which gave him an appearance of great dignity. And he peered about him with large, staring eyes, which gave him an air of tremendous importance. He's God, screamed a Plymouth rock hen. And the others took up the cry. He's God, he's God. So they followed him wherever he went, and when he began to bump into things, they began to bump into things too. Finally, he came to a concrete highway, and he started up the middle of it, and all the other creatures followed him. Presently, a hawk, who was acting as an outrider, observed a truck coming toward them at 50 miles an hour. And he reported to the secretary bird, and the secretary bird reported to the owl, There's danger ahead, said the secretary bird. To wit, said the owl. Secretary Bird told him. Aren't you afraid? he asked. Who? said the owl calmly, for he could not see the truck. He's God, cried all the creatures again, and they were still crying, He's God, He's God, when the truck hit them and ran them down. Some of the animals were merely injured, but most of them, including the owl, were killed. Moral? You can fool too many of the people too much of the time. The Owl Who Was God by James Thurber. Two more of Thurber's fables, political of nature, the birds and the foxes. Once upon a time, there was a bird sanctuary in which hundreds of Baltimore Orioles lived together happily. The refuge consisted of a forest entirely surrounded by a high wire fence. When it was put up, a pack of foxes who lived nearby protested that it was an arbitrary and unnatural boundary. However, they did nothing about it at the time because they were interested in civilizing the geese and ducks on the neighboring farms. When all the geese and ducks had been civilized and there was nothing left to eat, the foxes once more turned their attention to the bird sanctuary. 
Their leader announced that there had been foxes once in the sanctuary, but that they had been driven out. He proclaimed that Baltimore Orioles belonged in Baltimore. He said furthermore that the Orioles in the sanctuary were a continuous menace to the peace of the world. The other animals cautioned the foxes not to disturb the birds in their sanctuary. So the foxes attacked the sanctuary one night and tore down the fence that surrounded it. The Orioles rushed out and were instantly killed and eaten by the foxes. The next day, the leader of the foxes, a fox from whom God was receiving daily guidance, got under the rostrum and addressed the other foxes from it. His message was simple and sublime. You see before you, he said, another Lincoln. We have liberated all them birds. Moral? Government of the Orioles, by the foxes, and for the foxes, must perish from the earth. And lastly, The Peace-Like Mongoose by James Thurber. In cobra country, a mongoose was born one day who did not want to fight cobras or anything else. The word spread from mongoose to mongoose that there was a mongoose who didn't want to fight cobras. If he didn't want to fight anything else, it was his own business. But it was the duty of every mongoose to kill cobras or be killed by cobras. Why? asked the peace-like mongoose, and the word went around that the strange new mongoose was not only pro-cobra and anti-mongoose, but intellectually curious and against the ideals and traditions of mongooseism. He is crazy, cried the young mongoose's father. He is sick, said his mother. He's a coward, shouted his brothers. He is a mongoose-sexual whispered his sisters. Strangers who had never laid eyes on the peace-like mongoose remembered that they had seen him crawling on his stomach or trying on cobra hoods or plotting the violent overthrow of mongoosia. I'm trying to use reason and intelligence, said the strange new mongoose. Reason is six-sevenths of treason, said one of his neighbors. Intelligence is what the enemy uses, said another. Finally, the rumor spread that the mongoose had venom in his sting, like a cobra, and he was tried, convicted by a show of paws, and condemned to banishment. Moral? Ashes to ashes and clay to clay. If the enemy doesn't get you, your own folks may. The Peace Like Mongoose by James Thurber. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, 
sports, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms, 21 plus only. Virginia only, new customer offer, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media. But now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Before I found Zigazoo, I believed all social media was inappropriate for kids. But I feel great about my kids being on Zigazoo. Videos are moderated by actual people before being added to the feed. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about mean comments on your kids' videos. And you need parental consent before joining Zigazoo. Bottom line, it's a space that prioritizes data safety for kids. Oh, but don't take my word for it. Zigazoo is KidSafe COPPA certified. So weigh everything Zigazoo has to offer. Maybe you'll zigzag too. Zigazoo, a social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. the number one story on the countdown now and things I promise not to tell and a personal saga of how important baseball used to be. I had only been the local sportscaster on Channel 5 in Los Angeles for about six weeks when I saw one of my rivals do something I could not believe. Nearly 38 years have since passed and it's even harder for me to believe it now. In Game 5 of the 1985 National League Championship Series between the L.A. Dodgers and the St. Louis Cardinals, winner goes to the World Series, Ozzie Smith, the famous shortstop of the Cardinals, hit a home run in the bottom of the ninth inning to beat the Dodgers 3-2. Smith was a switch hitter. He could bat left-handed or right-handed, but he had never hit a home run right-handed until then. The ball hit some brick or concrete behind the foul pole in St. Louis, bounded back onto the field, and the Dodger right fielder, Mike Marshall, picked it up and threw it back to the infield just because, like, why not? Two days later, back in Los Angeles, in an infamous sequence that older Dodger fans still grumble about nightly, the Dodgers lost that series on another home run by Jack Clark of St. Louis. And the night after that, I was sitting with my new colleagues at Channel 5, and we had the rival newscast from Channel 9, KHJ-TV, on one of our TV monitors in the sports office. And for some reason, their sportscaster was on at the start of their newscast at 10 o'clock. I have important breaking news, he yelled. His name was Scott St. James, and he was always yelling, but this was different. Careful forensic analysis of the videotape by the Channel 9 Sports Department proves that Ozzie Smith's so-called home run against the Dodgers in Game 5 was actually not a home run, but a double. Look! 
St. James shouted, then played the same videotape every station in America had, showing the same angle of the same Smith home run, landing fair and beating the Dodgers, and then bouncing back off the wall onto the field, and the Dodger right fielder kind of half-heartedly throwing the ball back into the infield just because. That, St. James bellowed, was just a double. Mike Marshall's throw proves it beyond a shadow of a legal doubt. Channel 9 Sports urges the Dodgers to file lawsuits against Major League Baseball to obtain a restraining order against this travesty. And we urge the Dodgers to report to Kansas City in order to play in tomorrow night's first game of the 1985 World Series as the rightful representatives of the National League. I don't have a tape of this. So my version of what this buffoon St. James said is recreated from memory as faithfully as possible. It is burned into my memory, and if it's not 100% accurate word for word, trust me, I just improved it. Over at Channel 5, we laughed. The phone rang. It was one of the sports producers at Channel 2, a friend of all of ours. He was laughing. On Channel 9, they were not laughing. They did, I think, this, quote, story, unquote, twice in their newscast that night, and they continued to ride this idea that the home run did not count and the Dodgers should sue right up until the 1985 World Series, which the Dodgers did not play in, ended a week later. But that's not where the story ended. As if the St. James thing had cursed the 1985 World Series— and nobody ever really knew if he really believed the story. He was just trying to get eyeballs on a sportscast nobody watched. The guys who manage the World Series teams get to manage their league's team in the All-Star game the next year. So Dick Hauser, manager of the world champion Kansas City Royals of 1985, was the manager of the 1986 All-Star game played on July 15th at the Astrodome in Houston. That year, the California Angels whose games were carried on my station, Channel 5, had one of their players produce one of the great rookie seasons of all time. His name was Wally Joyner. He was this kind of goofy first baseman. He was a friend of mine, and even though he was not on the fans' all-star ballots, he was voted in, written in, as the starting American League all-star first baseman. He won with write-in votes. Didn't happen too often. So at the 1986 All-Star Game, Joyner is the starting first baseman, and he comes up in the second inning, and he pops up. But per All-Star etiquette, he'll get at least one more at-bat, probably two. All the starters get two at-bats. Except in the fourth inning, when it's Joyner's turn to hit again, All-Star manager Dick Hauser pinch hits for Joyner, sends up Don Mattingly of the Yankees to bat instead of Joyner. Well, this did not go over well in Southern California. Some of us were wondering if Wally Joyner was hurt or if there was something else going on. But over at another of our rival sports departments at KABC Channel 7, that's not where their sportscaster Ted Dawson took it. He went on that night blistering Dick Hauser for insulting Joyner and insulting the Angels and Los Angeles and Anaheim and God and the flag. And he told his viewers to call the hotel in Houston that Dick Hauser was staying at and ask for his room and yell at him. I think they put up a graphic with the hotel phone number. Mind you, by the time Ted Dawson did this, it would have been 1.15 in the morning in the Houston hotel. Whatever Hauser had done, what Dawson did was far worse. We could not have imagined at the time how far worse. The next day, 
The Kansas City Royals announced that Dick Hauser had been admitted to the hospital after several weeks of neck pain. And the day after that, through tears, a spokesman announced that Dick Hauser was taking a leave of absence as manager of the team immediately because he had a brain tumor. In fact, Dick Hauser would die about 11 months later at the age of just 51. The 1986 All-Star Game was the last game Hauser ever participated in, and Ted Dawson had told his viewers to call Hauser up late at night in a hotel and yell at him over an insult to a player. I've done a lot of stupid stuff on TV in my life, a lot of stuff I should have just left alone. In most cases, I've been able to apologize or at least make fun of myself or make it up to the people involved, but these two guys... St. James was fired the next year, I think, and then Dawson, and then Dawson got hired in Dallas, and the next thing we heard in L.A. was he was living with some rich older woman who'd bought him a helicopter. Last thing I saw about him was in 2017. He retired after several years as the sports director of station KBZK in Bozeman, Montana. Sometimes life punishes you first, then you screw up, rather than the other way around. It dawned on me after Dick Hauser died that years earlier in 1980, the ABC station in my hometown here in New York needed a new sportscaster, and they tried out literally every sportscaster on every big ABC station in the country. One week, they had the guy in from Detroit. The week after that, it was their guy from their station in Syracuse, and one week it had been Ted Dawson from KABC in Los Angeles, the guy who would tell his viewers to call up and abuse the manager in the middle of the night. Ted Dawson's on-air style was breathless, and I mean that literally. He shouted at the top of his lungs, and he read his script as fast as he could. I mean, I can't even recreate it without causing myself a coughing fit. Well, I happened to be watching the night of his first audition show on the New York station. Ted Dawson screamed for about three minutes, finished, and panting, threw it back to the veteran deadpan WABC Channel 7 news anchorman Roger Grimsby. Roger, back to you. And they cut to Grimsby. He was staring to his right towards where Dawson was sitting. Wordlessly, he turned back to face the camera and with no hint of emotion, Roger Grimsby simply said, We shall now resume the news. Countdown with Keith Olbermann is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media. But now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. Videos that are moderated by actual people. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about social trolling. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. 
Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billie's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. 